Here it comes. It's the Music City Real Estate Show with Andrew Buckwalter. Coming to you from his roving camper studio, The Rambler, in Nashville, Tennessee. Join us as we travel about town to discover the best real estate in areas you want to know about. With expert advice, finding the best deals, and meeting Music City's hit makers and emerging artists who call Nashville their home. And now, here's Andrew. Hello, Nashville and all you other listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode eight. Today, I'll be sitting down with Brendan Hutchinson again with Legacy Mutual Mortgage, and we will finish up the lender content for the month of July. We'll be hitting on refinance, what that looks like, options, equity, line of credits, um, anything else to kind of close up the month that pertains to uh, working with a lender. Also, I'll be sitting down with Eric Donardo. He is a local Nashville singer-songwriter, uh, focusing on mainly uh, songwriting. But I uh, got to sit down with him, had a great interview with him. Uh, more great insight from a musician. And uh, you might hear in the background a little rain coming off and on. Uh, one of the aspects of having a mobile podcast is I like being mobile with everything I do um, and recording the intro to the podcast. Um, the last couple episodes I've been in Florida and today I'm sitting in Orlando. Um, we got to hang out at uh, SeaWorld yesterday and tomorrow and I believe they get rain here every single day in Florida. So uh, I guess it's good and bad. It's good because it's hot and you need something to cool off but it's bad because if you're out having fun uh, you might have to take a break. Uh, but anyway, so that's why you might have a little rain in the background. I had something else exciting happen last weekend. I got a call from a neighbor who had his son mowing my yard, noticed that there was water coming out the back of my house. So after I got him into the house, I had a water leak, fridge water line busted, and water was about one to two inches on the first floor, pretty much the whole floor. So called insurance, made a claim, and everybody kind of got to working on it. I got a call today from the adjuster. Uh, most of the contents and stuff on the first floor will have to be replaced. So one, being a homeowner, make sure you have good insurance coverage. Make sure you don't just automatically jump with the first great rate you get. Make sure you do have a little insight into the insurance company because in situations like this, um, it's definitely going to make a, a difference. And so far, working with farmers insurance has been great. But anyway, so I just figured I would throw that out there. Um, kind of crazy experience. And wife's a little anxious and stressed a little bit about the process. I'm kind of like, well, oh well, that's why we have insurance. So anyways, so yeah, I have that to come home to and, and deal with. But hey, um, that's what we had a good vacation for. To start out the musical part of the episode, you will hear my son Hudson, who's two, pecking away on the piano. We were in Georgia at my in-law's house, and he uh, I heard some piano playing in the background. And he actually was singing at the point, but you know, you can't always get the exact moment you want when you pick up a recorder. We got him to replicate a little bit of it, and I uh, figured I would throw that on the podcast for a little uh, um, fun. 
And then uh, Eric will open us up with a song he wrote, and then we'll sit down with Brandon, and then again finish up with the second part of the interview with Eric, and one more song to close out this episode. So sit back and enjoy. Say, my name is Hudson. My name is Are you going to play a song on the piano for us? Uh-huh. Okay, go ahead. Can you sing? Yeah, sing. Sing into the mic while you play. I don't. Sing, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I say, say, Is that all you got? Uh-huh. You sure? Uh-huh. Nothing else? No. Can you go? Roger, 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 Roger. Say thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is actually a song I wrote years and years ago. And um, it's near and dear to my heart because it was the first single that ever got released for me. So um, it's not one of the newer songs. I don't think it's as deep as the stuff I, I typically write or sing. Um, but it's definitely a pop song I wrote that's kind of in the vein of Jason Mraz. And actually a funny story that goes along with it is um, there's a line in it that says, I want to look as cool as you, so maybe I'll cock it to the right, meaning my hat. Because mm-hmm. um, Jason Mraz used to always wear his hat like this. And he was like one of those first guys to do it. And um, anyway, my, my producer sent it to him, and, and I got a text message saying, Hey, man, I really love your song, Turning Me Loose. And I wrote, Thanks so much. And then I wrote, But who the F is this? Just like kind of being playful, and you wrote, like, It's Jason Mraz. And I was like, Oh, dang. And I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Needless to say, oh, needless to say, he's got a new number and never wrote me back ever again. But, um, it was just kind of it was just kind of funny. So he he dug this song, and it was probably because it was probably a lyric about him. But but I um, anyway, this song yeah, this song's called "Turning Me Loose." It's about it was the introduction of myself into the uh, you know the music pop rock world, whatever you want to call it. So. So it comes a single Gotta make them big bills Trying to find a wrinkle in this biz Cause you know it's sink or swim So can you listen closely As I cast my spell on you So look out world, look out world, look out world They're turning me loose 
pictures in my head But girl, on t-shirt, shit I wear Gotta look here, Papa, maybe it's pop wrong Do I really even care? Cause I got my hat on Need to get my freak on tonight Cause I wanna look as cool as you Maybe I'll cock it to the right Oh, can you listen closely as I guess my spell on you? Look out world, look out world, look out world They're turning me loose Fire overboard and there's this Fire under me and you're Gonna catch me when I, I fall to my knees Typically the ripping guitar soul here So can you Listen closely as I guess my spell on you. Look on world, look on world, look on world. Look on world, look on world, look on world. Look on world, look on world, look on world. They're turning me loose. They're turning me Turning me Thanks so we much. Had the, we had the Rambler rocking. <laughs> hey, man, thanks Look. a lot for uh, joining Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's been a blast. Great first part of the episode with Eric. Now, here is Brandon, and he will uh, educate us on refinance and everything else uh, pertaining to lending. Well, I'm sitting here with Brandon Hutchinson again with Legacy Mutual Mortgage. And uh, we are on our third um, episode uh, regarding lending. And uh, actually, we had a whole little, I don't know, five minutes recorded previously. And I had a first with the podcast, uh, which is if you're parked using a generator, make sure you got plenty of gas um, because I ran out of gas, which I lost all juice. And so (laughs) I lost the file. (laughs) And so now we're sitting in uh, Franklin again at his house. Um, and finishing, uh, we're going to be discussing refinancing. Yes, we are uh, stealing some power from my house. That's okay, but uh, technically the, we're not. Stealing. We're not. No, we're, yeah, we're using borrowing. So, yeah, I don't like to be labeled a thief. You know? <laughs> exactly. So the mobile studio is truly that mobile all the way. It is. It is. Except again, you got to have gas to make sure you know. And you know, I think I had that thought too. I think at some point I was like. Should I make sugar gas? I'm like, nah, I'm good. And then it went complete. So uh, I was just discussing with Andrew, though, how the studio is much bigger than it looks in the pictures on Facebook. So I've, I've followed him on Facebook through his whole project here, and it's a very beautiful studio. He did a good job. 
And uh, it's much bigger and more spacious inside than it looks like. You know you're about to make me cry. I'm, I'm a little bit limp. <laughs> he doesn't act that sad when he talk about his kids, but his studio. Hey, I've had a lot of, I don't know, actually, I talk, talk a little too much about the kids. I'm like meeting random strangers and, you know, like, oh, yeah, kids. I'm like, oh, you want to see pictures? They're on my phone. Look how cute Hudson is. And the other two are too, too but, you know, they're not two years old anymore. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks, man. It was uh, a lot of work and uh, it's uh, paid off. Looks good. I told him it looks a little ski lodge like, yeah, uh, with with the wood mm-hmm. all over. But the wood looks nice, so it's a uh, very uh, comforting. Feels like I'm out in the woods somewhere. Yeah, I guess you would feel at home since you uh, do a little vacationing in Colorado quite a bit. Yes, do a little skiing. My favorite vacation spot. So yes, love to ski and snowboard primarily. Uh, my kids ski and snowboard as well. So that's where we go on vacation. So usually a couple times a year we vacation mm-hmm. in the winter because yeah. our business is busy in the summer. It's hard to take vacations in the summer in real estate. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I hadn't thought, which I think you just like skiing better than the beach anyways, right? Yes. Yes, I do. I like the uh, mountains and the peacefulness of the snow. But uh, but for sure, that's that's my retirement plan is to move to the mountains. I've, uh, I guess, thinking of that, I'm kind of glad that we're recording this because I've heard some of your stories um, when you've gotten back and got a little aggressive on the slopes and uh, <laughs> kind of crazy, man. You could die. So, you know, make sure you... I guess you would be replacing your helmet every year, right? Yeah, this could be much more valuable if I, you know, don't make it off the slopes next time. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I have, in all honesty, cracked two helmets in the last two seasons. So, um, yeah, I need to slow down a little. Yeah, yeah. You seemed a little more tame the last time. For sure. We went. Um, so, yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's dive into some uh, refinancing. Um, so what are some reasons to uh, to refinance? So the four primary reasons that I've found over the years that people refinance, um, number one is to lower their interest rate. So let's say you got a mortgage a year or two ago and your rate was 5%, and now let's say rates are 4%. So you're saving money by lowering your interest rate. So that's the first reason. Uh, The second reason that's really popular, um, especially here in Middle Tennessee, like we talked about, properties are appreciating quickly. People that had PMI or MIP uh, can get rid of that sometimes after as little as a year or two. So they refinance, um, especially if you bought with an FHA loan, maybe you can refinance to a conventional a couple of years later and not have that mortgage insurance anymore. So that's a second reason that's also really good and very popular right now. Um, a third reason that we see a lot of is to shorten your term. So a good example of this is a young family buys their first home and uh, they get a 30-year mortgage because they're not sure you know they can afford anything more. After a couple of years, they're making more money. They've improved their situation financially and they decide that they want to stay in this house and pay it off quickly. So maybe we refinance them to a 15-year mortgage and uh, they're building equity much faster um, and getting closer to that American dream of home ownership without a mortgage. The fourth reason is cashing out. So equity, like we say, is growing very quickly in Middle Tennessee. So a lot of people are using that equity to cash out, pay off other debts, uh, finance home improvement projects, things like that. There's many different things that you can do with the cash out, but uh, that's become a popular option. So you can do that either with a first mortgage refinance or a home equity line of credit. All right. Cool deal. And what's your percentage of uh, refinances like? I mean, are you heavy on refinance or purchase or pretty balanced? Uh, we're pretty heavy on purchase. Um, so rates have been low. We've been in a low interest rate environment. Historically speaking, the biggest reason people refinance is for lower interest rates. Mm-hmm. And with rates being lower than they've ever been for several years in a row, um, a lot of people have already refinanced to lower rates. Now, right now, we are seeing some refinances for 
to get rid of PMI and some cash out refinances. But uh, the lower interest rate refinances are not as plentiful as they once were. But we're probably about 80% purchase, Mm -hmm. 80 to 85. I think last year we were like 87, 88. This year we're a little bit more balanced, maybe about 80%. So, uh, yeah, we're pretty heavy on the purchase side. So we work with a lot of home, uh, you know, home buyers. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it's just conducive to the way we do business, sit down and talk about a financial game plan and see where they're at and what they want to do. Gotcha. So how about yourself? Have you ever refinanced, and and what was the reason for it? Yeah, I've refinanced. um, I refinanced to get rid of PMI. I refinanced to a shorter term. Um, Used to, adjustable rate mortgages were more prevalent. I've had a couple of adjustable rate mortgages that I refinanced to fixed rate mortgages. Um, And once I did a cash out refinance. So I think I've done about all of them. So I've had mortgages really ever since I've been in the business. So I've had... You know, if you're going to sell it, you better believe in it, right? As far as the mortgage. So, when you purchased your home, what did mm-hmm. you do? Did you? I know you fixed up a bunch of stuff. Did you do a uh, rehab loan or what did, did a you renovation do? loan? Huh? Okay, renovation. Um, what's your advice on those? Um, be prepared for some headaches and some unexpected things. Um, they're a little bit more difficult, and not for the faint of heart. I definitely don't recommend them to first-time home buyers. Mm-hmm. So they can be a little bit of a toothache. Um, Make sure you and your spouse are on the same page about what you're going to do and that you uh, discuss the budget and you stay on budget. That's my uh, best advice about those. So that's sometimes difficult to do. So you, you laugh like you've had experience with that? Oh, yeah. We blew through our budget really quickly. So, <laughs> Well, looking at your house, I mean, I could see you know some of those reasons why. So, um, Well, thank you, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so uh, um, what percentage of, home, uh, of my home value can I borrow on refinance, so in general? Yeah. Um, again, like everything else, it's a loaded question in mortgage. It depends on the situation. Uh, different loan types have different loan-to-values that you can borrow. Uh, if you're taking cash out, it's a higher risk, uh, statistically speaking, and so you can't borrow as high of a percentage. Usually you're somewhere in the 80 to max 85 or 90% you can borrow unless you're VA. Um, but if you're just doing a rate and term where like you're lowering your uh, interest rate or you're getting rid of PMI, then you can borrow in many cases 95, 97 you know, percent loan to value. So you don't have to have much equity at all to refinance. And some refinances, you don't have to have any equity. Gotcha. So like how much do you need um, to lower interest rate, you know, for you know, for a refi to make sense, like what, what needs to be the difference in interest rate? So the, the old school of thought, like when I got in the business, um, a lot of people would tell me that you had to save 2% on your interest rate. If mm-hmm. you were doing a rate and term, that's where you're just reducing your interest rate and keeping the same term. Um, however, that school of thought has kind of went out the window a little bit, just in the times we live in financially and, you know, the modern world as far as just economics and how everything works, it's changed a little bit. And so again, it depends on your situation. And if we're looking at any of those other reasons besides just lowering your interest rate, sometimes you don't have to lower it at all. Um, but if you're just looking at it to lower your interest rate, again, depends on how long you're going to be in the house, um, you know, financial situation, both short and long term. So we can look at it, but there's not a set number that's a hard and fast rule anymore. So how about as far as rolling other debt into it, if you refinance, is that what's your advice on that? Um, Generally speaking, for most of us, cash is king, right? So if we can free up some cash flow and we can take non-tax deductible debt and roll it into tax deductible debt, and a house is something that's pretty safe investment, it's usually going to appreciate. You know, most years, probably 80% of the time it appreciates, at least a couple percent a year. Then generally speaking, most financial people consider it, uh, you know, a wise choice of action. So we do a lot of those, especially now because property values are increasing quickly and 
again, you take some, you know, bad debt, debt that's not tax deductible, and you roll it into your mortgage, which is tax deductible. And, uh, you know, you get some great financial benefits. We've seen situations where we've saved people thousands of dollars a month on what they're paying. And credit cards, debt, auto loans. Right. Yeah. yeah, we take and we had some folks last year that we literally saved $5,000 a month. Wow. They paid off all their auto loans. They paid off all their credit cards. They paid off some student loans, some other debt and saved $5,000 a month just by having it all rolled into one mortgage. Hmm. That's crazy. <clears throat> um, so in general, what, what kind of, how much equity do you need to refinance? Yeah, I mean, just like the question before about the percentage of the value, I mean, you don't need much equity. A couple percent, um, unless you're doing a cash out, then you need at least 10 to 20 percent. And I'm assuming you probably need a, to have an appraisal done? Not always. Some refinances okay. don't require appraisals. So, like, if you have an FHA loan or a VA loan, several of the, the government loans, um, you can just do, like, interest rate reduction loans or streamline right. refinances where you don't have to have an appraisal. Uh, some conventional loans, also, you can get a property inspection or appraisal waiver. Right. So it just really depends. So you don't always have to have an appraisal to refinance. So say I have a hundred and something thousand in equity in my house. Um, would I need an appraisal? It just depends. <laughs> like everything else in mortgage. Well, it depends on how much you owe. Right. right. It depends on how much you owe. It depends, again, um, on what type of loan we're doing. If you're looking at a conventional loan, uh, they we have an automated underwriting engine that we feed the data in and it spits back and tells us if you need an, an appraisal or not. So in some cases you do, in some cases you don't. And if you were doing any kind of cash out, you always need an appraisal. Mm-hmm. But if you were just like lowering your interest rate or getting rid of PMI or something like that, you may not. So what's on average the cost of, of having a refi for a basic loan going into conventional? What uh, It really depends on your uh, well, property value and your loan balance. Okay. It's a percentage. Yeah. I mean, generally, it's about 30 to 35% cheaper uh, to refinance as far as closing costs versus a new purchase. Okay. Um, so you, you avoid some things like transfer tax, uh, title. You can usually get your title insurance reissued, save some money there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some savings that you can do. And it's like I say, it's usually 30 to maybe 40% savings on the closing cost. So if the general rule of thumb is 2 to 3% on a purchase, and again, those are rough numbers, that varies, uh, you're probably looking at, you know, percent less. Yeah, so, refinance. Somebody uh, made that point the other day to me that why, if I have a title policy on my house and I refinance, do I have to get another title policy? Mm-hmm. Welcome to the great state of Tennessee. Is it just Tennessee that does that? Uh, no, I mean, other states have that, but in Tennessee, it's it's state-by-state state legislation, and so Tennessee requires you have title insurance on all real estate transactions. Even new Okay. Yep, absolutely. So it's just, uh, you know, just making sure. So that's why you can save some money with reissuing the title uh, insurance policy, but you always do have to have that title insurance policy, any real estate transaction you do on a primary residence. So, I mean, obviously your payment in general, well, I guess it depends on how much debt you roll into it. Sure. So will it go down? Obviously, it depends on Mm -hmm. that scenario, right? Yeah, I mean, because if you're taking a 30-year loan and you're refinancing it to a 15-year loan, your payment's probably going to go up. Or maybe stay the same or go up some, but it doesn't always necessarily go down. So, again, kind of the old school versus new school train of thought. So, used to, the only reason you'd refinance is to lower your interest rate and lower your payment. Mm-hmm. But now, like I say, there's other reasons that are that are popular and, and reasons that we see a lot of majority of people refinance these days. Which I would say a lot of it probably depends because I think about, say, a car loan. If you got 2% interest rate, you know, even though your goal is to pay it off, it probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to throw it into a 4% interest rate mortgage, right? Over 15, 30 years? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily, but every once in a while it does. So if, you know, 
if you're just looking for monthly savings, if, if the monthly payment savings mm-hmm. is the most important thing to you. Um, and sometimes your financial advisor or tax preparer can talk to you too as far as about the tax savings you may get can help offset the difference in interest rate because your auto loan is obviously never tax deductible. Now, 0% is going to be pretty hard anytime you do it. But if you're talking within a percent or two, right. sometimes there's still good reason to. Um, so it's okay. good to have somebody to help you uh, review the numbers and look at your whole financial situation. So when you refinance, does the escrow account go away or does it stick with it? Or do you just get a new escrow? Generally speaking, you set up a new escrow account. Um, and what happens to your existing escrow account? Um, let's say you're paying off XYZ Bank that has your current mortgage. Um, they have 30 days after they receive the payoff to release the escrow funds back to you. So like we talked about before on one of the one of the podcasts there, the escrow account is just money that the bank is holding in escrow to be able to pay the taxes and insurance once a year because those are usually billed annually. And so money's sitting in that account and they're just collecting interest on it. And so what happens is if they haven't paid it, so if they haven't paid the taxes or insurance yet for the year, you get back whatever's in that escrow account. And so there's always uh, like a sliding scale. A lot of times on your payoff, it'll even tell you what your escrow balance is. And so you get that back as a separate check about 30 days after closing. Okay. Um, how about uh, points? Um, I know a lot of people hear the term points, but um, should I pay it? Can you explain points? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the last podcast we did, we talked about you know differences in lenders and, and lenders having different rates and things like that. And so points is sometimes the reason why lenders have different rates is because they charge you different fees or points. Um, some people just think you know blanket statement points are bad. Um, some people say, hey, there's reason for everything. And we, we, again, like to look at the whole situation. Sometimes it's worthwhile to buy points. Uh, usually, if you're going to be in the house longer or you're trying to pay it off, it's worthwhile to, to buy points. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to be there for long or you think, hey, this is only our starter home or our move-up home or something like that, it may not be worthwhile to do points. But there's a break-even analysis. Um, I like to run those for my clients and just see how long it's going to take to make that it makes sense. And if it's two years, three years, five right. years, ten years, say, hey, if you're not certain you're going to stay in this house longer than that, then don't pay the points. Okay. So how about as far as removing borrowers or adding adding them, what's the, is that easy to do? Is it something, you know, standard or what? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit tricky to add borrowers to a refinance. Um, in some cases you can, but it's, it's a little bit more tricky. Now, you can always remove borrowers. Uh, unless you're doing like a streamlined refinance, because then you have to keep all the same borrowers on the loan that were on there to start with. But in all the other situations, you can uh, remove borrowers without problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all, also something, uh, kind of a side point, just as like a public service announcement. When people get divorced, um, many times the court order for the divorce will say, OK, the spouse, maybe the wife gets the house and the husband has to be taken off the deed. If the husband is still on that mortgage He's still responsible and it's still going to report on his credit, even if the court has ordered him to be off the deed. So if something happened and the wife quit paying that payment and he didn't get taken off the mortgage by a refinance, then his credit could be ruined or he could not have the ability to buy a house. So um, a lot of times I've even seen people get really bad legal advice from from attorneys on this and say, yeah, just get taken off the deed or the title. Um, But you also want to get taken off the mortgage because you can leave yourself open to some legal issues down the road um, and just some credit issues and not being able to buy and some qualification issues if you don't get taken off the mortgage. So if you're getting a divorce or someone you know is getting a divorce and they have a mortgage, um, they probably want to either sell or refinance the house when they get the divorce to make sure that it's really clean break and that everybody's separated as far as their assets and the liabilities and having the mortgage. Cool. 
So, uh, and, and actually another question I thought about was, uh, what's the difference between like a lender and a mortgage broker? Sure. So a mortgage lender um, is someone who usually has the money. So they are underwriting. They are processing. They're closing. They're funding. They're doing everything in their own name. So they do everything in-house. They probably have a little bit more control, maybe can move a little faster. A mortgage broker is someone who is acting as like a third party or as a middleman, you may want to call it. They're going to the person who has the money and they're getting the money. So they may process and maybe even sometimes underwrite in-house, but they probably don't close and fund. And many times they don't even process or or underwrite in-house. They'll have to send it to the end lender to do that. So um, used to mortgage brokers were much more popular than they are now. You could get better rates and things like that. But now um, most of the industry has gone to either mortgage lenders or banks just because you want to have that control. And like from a real estate agent's perspective, it's better to have a lot of control over the process and have right. somebody who can control the underwriting, the processing, the closing, the funding. Um, so like your team, um, is it better to work with the team or an individual loan officer? What's your advice with that? Well, I may be a little biased since I have a team. But uh, I worked for a lot of years just as an individual loan officer before I had a team. And I can tell you the number one reason that I have a team is to be able to better serve our clients and our referral partners. Um, so when I'm in a meeting or in a, you know, podcast studio recording a podcast, you can still get somebody on the phone at my office on my team who can answer questions for you, who can still make sure to be there during your loan process. So that's really the big advantage of a team is just having more bandwidth to be able to handle more phone calls, to be able to, you know, keep the relationships intact, to make sure that the, the ball's still moving towards the goal line at mm -hmm. all times. Especially, I know you, you got a lot of processes in place, so, you know, you couldn't handle all the processes yourself, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. It would be impossible to do your, all yourself, so. Right. So we look at it from a service a service level aspect, and so that's that's really what our biggest sales proposition is that we tell people that we work with, is we're going we're gonna to give you a great level of service, and that's really what, we're going to stand behind because you can go anywhere and get a mortgage. You can get on your phone, and, you know, download an app and, and get a mortgage and do all that. But like we've talked about many times, I believe it's a face to face business. I believe service is really important. I believe accountability is important. And just having a relationship with somebody that you trust, that's going to do the right thing and take care of you. Right. So. So earlier we were talking and you had mentioned something about uh, um, you were talking with your son, Gavin, about some financial aspect. What was the story with that? Yeah. So um, I was trying to teach him a lesson in banking. Um, all the kids now, if you have kids, you probably your kids have fidget spinners. Mm -hmm. um, so Gavin got the bright idea that he bought a really cool fidget spinner. He saved some money and bought it on Amazon or eBay or something like that. And all the kids at school wanted it, and they are offering him more money than he paid for it. And he's like, hey, maybe I can sell some fidget spinners. And so we like to see that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. um, but, again, being in, in banking and lending, I, I needed to teach him a valuable lesson about banking and how it works. Um, and he who has the money makes the rules is mm -hmm. the old saying. Uh, and so he bought a, a lot of fidget spinners, I think off eBay. They were $40 for the lot of them. It was like 15 oh, okay. of them or something like that. Wow. No, it was like $40 for 15 of them. And so the deal I made with him was he had to give the first $65 he made to me. So $40 for them and $25 in interest. Okay. Which is an astronomical interest rate. Mm -hmm. Really wasn't very nice of me to do. And so my wife told me that. But again, it was a good, it was a good lesson for him. He ended up made, you know, 60 or 70 bucks on top of that. So he, he got his money and he made some good money. And 
you know. Because you loaned them the money to I did. So I was a loan shark, basically, instead of of a lender. But I explained to him, this is why banks have such beautiful buildings, because they collect all this interest. Right, right. (laughs) So it was a good good lesson in banking there. so. So you gave them all the money back, right? Not exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a good lesson yeah. if I'd given him all of his money. Being a banker, I guess you would keep that, right? <laughs> I'm it's, not a banker. I'm a lender. <laughs> it's 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 fun. it's funny. I think about the, the life lessons you can teach your kids, and I'll watch Bryce. Um, he's, he's a pretty good negotiator, which I don't know if that's considered a manipulator, but uh, he was getting into the Pokemon cards, mm-hmm. and I don't even think he cared about the meaning of them, but I think he just enjoyed the trade of it. Sure. And uh, eventually we had to cut them off. When we got a call from the principal, <laughs> and they they let us know that there was another kid whose mom had called because their son jumped in the car um, after school, pickup line, and he was crying because he realized Bryce had negotiated a deal that was not so much of a good deal for the seller. But Bryce, uh, he walked away pretty happy. <laughs> Of course. And so, you know, of course, my wife's like, oh, my gosh. She was, you know, I was like, hey, that was pretty good. I mean, the kid's got to learn a lesson, you know. But she, uh, um, he had to give it back, you know, <laughs> whatever course. toy it was. It was like he bought it for something, and the kid realized that he, he just didn't make a good decision. Um, but so it's funny to watch him. It's that balance of going, all right, dude, okay, enough's enough. Like, you got to focus a little bit on school, not about negotiation, but there's a part of me that's like, hey, I like this. I mean, he's uh, he's, yeah. learning. he's learning from his dad, you know. <laughs> exactly. He has a natural skill of negotiation. So, um, so switch gears, um, real estate-wise, uh, you obviously have been in it. You've bought and sold, and you've worked with tons of realtors. Um, I mean, I know I'm pretty much the best one you've worked with. I can say that without a doubt. Um, and you would too, but I'll just speak for you in Thank saying you. that. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so what's some advice that you would give home buyers and uh, sellers outside of all the financial stuff that you've already given over the last three weeks? Yeah, I feel like... Um, again, when you're making a major financial decision, um, and this is whether you're getting a mortgage or not, but if, if when I'm interviewing a realtor to work with me and I, I've bought and sold houses, I've bought commercial property, um, I've done different things and so work, worked with different realtors and I've seen good, bad, and different um, all phases. But I think at the end of the day, for me, what it comes down to is do I believe that this person, one, has my best interest at heart? And two, do I believe that they give me the best chance to succeed in this market? Mm-hmm. And so this is for sure the weirdest market that I've seen in 16 years in real estate. Um, and so negotiation, I mean, we joke about it, but negotiation is more important than ever. People mm-hmm. think it's really easy. Anybody can sell a house. Um, and while it is a good market to sell in, it is, it's never been harder to buy. And right. so you need to have really good representation on both sides so you can make sure that you have someone who's negotiating. And again, I mean, you've just got to believe, and I firmly believe that's the reason people choose to work with you. That's the reason people choose to work with me is they mm-hmm. say, we have the best chance to get the best deal and get right. in the house of our dreams because these people are in our lives. Right. And so if you can't say that about your real estate agent, you can't say that about your mortgage person, go find somebody you can say that about. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we're we're selling things that other people are selling at the same price other people are selling it for. So we've got to have something to stand on. And that's what I believe that we have to stand on. And that's what separates the experts from the rest of the people. And I, of course it makes me think too, um, you know, when you are trying to figure out, cause obviously a lot of people are going to go with friends, you know, mm-hmm. um, a friend refers an agent, which is not always, you know, the best case. Um, 
Now, granted, I love somebody referring me. That's you know most of my business. But sometimes you refer somebody that's um, you know not doing a whole lot of business. Sure. And if they're not in negotiating all these multiple offers, um, you're going to spend a lot of time looking at a bunch of homes because you're never going to get a multiple offer locked down. So it makes me think of when you're. Um, you know, interviewing agents, because obviously I'm in the Nashville market, but there's people listening, you know, hopefully elsewhere. But talk to lenders, um, mm-hmm. talk to people maybe that that, that agent knows mm-hmm. and ask, you know, what are their strengths or, you know, know your market. Because if you're in a seller's market like we are in Nashville, um, how successful are they in winning multiple offers? Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of it's going to be about you as a buyer. How much do you trust this agent? Because if you don't have a lot of trust, you're probably going to trust when they, you know, advise you to be super aggressive to get this deal. Um, because that's what I do. You know, when people come to me saying, yeah, you know, we're kind of looking for a deal. And it's kind of like, well, that word doesn't exist a whole lot around here, you know. Um, but I think that's key, you know, is like I said, know your market, but know the questions to ask your agent. And, you know, one thing that's made a difference in some of our deals is you, you know, as talking, speaking of Brandon, has called the agent, you know, and um, given them confidence that this buyer that's, you know, got this pre-approval letter, because sometimes those don't mean a whole lot. Um, Representing sellers, you know, it's good to uh, ask the questions to make sure that, you know, how legit is this lender? You know, how how legit do they really know um, this buyer's situation? But Brandon at times has made calls, um, on multiple offer deals to say, hey, look, you know, basically trying to solidify that that um, confidence with the seller, you know, to go with this buyer. So that's important, too. Um, but, you know, so asking those questions, because, again, in this market, within a certain price point, it's right. it's a lot of multiple offers. And so, um, you know, sometimes I've reflected, it's like, hey, I haven't worked, you know, some weekends. And I, I look back, and a lot of times it's because of winning multiple offers that, you know, has uh, – cut down my time plus not having buyers having to drive around and you know be so disappointed offer after offer you know right yeah there's an old analogy that comes to mind uh says never trust a skinny chef and so it's easy to see right where your your cook or your chef if they're skinny you're like well how good can their food be right so i think when you're interviewing real estate agents and mortgage people it's harder to see like are they really good at their job but yeah i think you're exactly right you can ask them some questions ask them what what separates them from the from the competition? What are you know right. their strengths as far as negotiation? What are the three things maybe that they do that their competition's not doing? Just finding out information from them because you don't want to get stuck with a skinny chef who serves you bad food, and so you don't want to get stuck with a part time real estate agent who's never won a multiple offer situation. Yep, yep. Um, and then at times you get sucked into that. I guess without maybe the interview process, it's tough to. You know, even though you always have an out, as I tell people, sure, you sign a buyer's rep or you got at least uh, a listing agreement. But, you know, if you're not happy with my service, hey, you know, I, I want you to to be happy, And which is if it's working with somebody else, go for it. You know, I know you said a little bit about you, obviously, like skiing. You told us about your kids, and you're a big Florida Gators fan, right? <laughs> no, negative. Are you not? Negative. Auburn, Alabama? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, no. Well, who do you root for? Um a different orange, the Tennessee Volunteers orange. So yeah, oh, no, no Gators. That's no, right. Yeah, none of that. Volunteer. Where'd you go to school? I went to community college. Cool. So, and I was a multiple multiple college dropout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, you know, I look back at being in real estate now for the last five years. I'm like, man. So Bryce sometimes he'll he'll be like, I'm not going to school. I'm gonna be a realtor, and I'll think, hey, it's not a bad deal. You know, I mean, really, you know, <laughs> right. if you have a if you're a passion, he's oh. So this is funny. Um, um, so we were at Fourth of July get together, and I was talking to this kid that was like 17 or 18. Which he didn't know the age of him, but he comes walking by, and um, the kid says something about moving from Memphis. He's moving here, and Bryce chimes in. Did you say you're you're looking for a place to live? And he's my dad like, can help. Yeah, he literally he's <laughs> like, well, my dad he's an agent, he can help. And I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, okay, first of all, he's not old enough. And I was like, second of all, we got to learn some transition. I mean, you got to be a lot more smoother with these transitions. You just can't. And then next thing you know, he leaves. He comes back a few minutes later. He's got three business cards. <laughs> and I'm like, nice, uh, awkward son. You know, especially if it would have been an adult. You know, it would have been like, dude, <laughs> like let me take, let me do this. You know. Uh, but anyway, so uh, um, renting versus buying. What's your advice? I would always buy. Um, even we have people sometimes will sit down and we will run the numbers. Like I say, I'm a numbers guy. I'll run the numbers for them and show them. They're only going to be here for a year, year and a half, two years. We'll run the numbers of what they're going to save based on buying. And even if you're paying more money and buying, you're still going to save money because you have equity. You have, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of, of benefits to buying. And so it's, I would say 95% of the time it's more advantageous to, to buy versus renting. So, um, but again, talk to a person who'll give you honest advice, not just mm-hmm. try to make a paycheck. Right. All right. Well, I think that, uh, was a lot of information for people to chew on and I'm glad you're in the lending business and I'm in the real estate business right? <laughs> uh, because the numbers might wear me out as much as they could be enjoyable, especially when, you know, they can increase or, you know, you're within your budget. Um, but I also can see why you like having a team too, so you're not stuck behind a uh, a desk crunching numbers all the time. Um, but thank you so much for all your advice. Um, you know, check out over the well, I shouldn't say advice, experience, um, and everything that uh, Brandon's team can do. Um, over the last uh, three episodes, um, there's been a lot of uh, content covered. So. Uh, and, you know, if you don't want to listen or read any of that stuff, just call a good lender. And if you're in Nashville, call Brandon. And uh, he can sum it all up in about a 30-minute hour meeting. Not so, even that long. We can go as quick as they need to. 15 so. minutes, huh? We can, right. we can make it shorter. So right. I won't bore them with the, all the details. Well, hey, I appreciate your time, Brandon. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll look forward to doing some deals soon. Appreciate the podcast. All right, man. Bye. Now that you're educated with refinance and other lending topics. We're going to pick up on the second part of the interview with Eric, and we'll close out with one of his songs. Hello, Nashville. I am sitting here in uh, 12 South area with Eric DiNardo. He is a uh, singer-songwriter in the Nashville area, and actually I've chatted with him a little bit before we've kind of got going with the podcast, and he um, is picking my brain about possibly getting into real estate. as he looks all the time because he just purchased a home. Uh, it seems like a lot of other experience, as a lot of um, musicians do. Um, they don't just do music. They do uh, other stuff as well that bring in some income until they make it big time. So uh, anyways, uh, Eric, tell us a little bit about you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. I, um, 
where to begin? I grew up in Boston. Um, lived out there for most of uh, most of my life. Was um, went to college in Massachusetts. Played at college hockey. Um, after college hockey, I actually signed a one-year deal. Played professionally over in Germany for for a bit, and um, came back to the states. Ended up moving um, um, into the city a little more so. Went to graduate school at Berkeley School of Music, and then. Cut a couple records. Cut a record with the Jason Mraz crew in Charlottesville, That's and cool. then moved up to Los Angeles and cut a record with uh, the guys who did like One Republic and yeah. Colby Kelly stuff. Mm-hmm. And while in LA, we took a marketing job just to also pay the bills, help start a company, help sell a company. It was in the tech side of things, and gave me enough experience and some money to move to Nashville. So just been out here now three years. Okay, and yeah, just bought my first house. And cool. I'm loving it. So, so what's the so difference between Boston, LA, Nashville, what other cities? Yeah, so I mean I was living in Dusseldorf, Germany. Okay. Um, which was um kind of a trip. The difference is Bo- Boston's fast paced, you know, I mean more so even than LA. I think people always say that people in the north are rude. Uh, I actually found there's more people in LA who are rude. Mm. And uh, Nashville's definitely the Na- nicest. Nashville's right? definitely the nicest. At least they say. Bless your heart. Right, right? Oh, the bless your heart is the sarcastic, right? It's like they're nice to your face, and then they just like roll their eyes. Right? Yeah, that could be the case yeah, too. Right? Sometimes. Like, bless your heart is not a compliment, um, right? Well, wait, but Natalie yeah. and I went to Boston. I uh, went to Cape Cod in Boston like ten years ago, and we literally walked the whole Freedom Trail in one day. Yeah. Um, but we went back. Uh, I guess about a year ago. Actually, we went back to celebrate my fortieth birthday. Wow. And uh, man, it was great. I love it. Uh, we just walked around. We'd be walking, and we'd just pop in a little coffee shop, you know. And of course, not having kids, and it being my birthday, so I pretty much got to do whatever I wanted to do the whole weekend. Get rid of the kids. It's uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's a treat in and itself. It was uh, it was great. But man, I love Boston. I always now and I talked about if we were young. Um, without kids, it would be a cool place to live, you know, yeah. for a little bit. So cheap flights cool. too. I get to fly direct like for like sixty bucks. I really? Think. Yeah. Wow! It's really cheap flights to Boston. We didn't get that good of a deal. Yeah. Huh? You probably just you know fly prime time now. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. Look. That's what happens when you fly first class? Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> so now you're here um, yes. writing. Um, I write for Writers List, um, which publishing company in town, and. But I'm also, um, we had a little chat the other day, and uh, we're going to be, um, we're going to be splitting up, sad, sad to say. So, um, yeah, shopping new publishing deals in town, mm-hmm. and excited about that. It's, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's, um, it's one of those things where it's, you know, a little bit of a blessing in disguise sometimes, mm-hmm. and as much as you hate to leave a place, it's also, you know time to move on and and start a new mm-hmm. adventure and a new part of uh uh of writing in this town it's there's a lot of great places to write for it's a, it's a tough it's a tough town to get a publishing gig so hopefully it won't take me too long to find another new home but um you know, who, yeah who well the heck, who the heck knows it could it could take a while doors take- uh doors open and close for a reason you know right exactly i've, I've found in my experience sometimes it's like you sometimes it's good not to try to bust the door open but know open it see what's inside and somebody right. invites you in right um, a little smoother transition sometimes you know? right exactly um, my actually my C- cfo when i was working on that tech company in la used to say to me you'll never have as much fun 
in life is when you're trying to figure it out. And yeah. he's like, when you're in a job and you're just doing it, the monotony gets to you. Even if you're, you know, Bruce Springsteen playing, you know, Born to Run for the eight millionth time. He's like, there's the part of that that gets old. Right. So right. he's like, when you're figuring it out and you're doing new things, he's like, you know, you know it's funny because I've often thought, um, like I thought I was going to be in warehouse management type stuff and assembly line, I'm really good at efficiency and stuff, processes, but um, but then I thought about the um, mundane of doing that. Right. And I'm like, God, I couldn't do that. But then the funny thing is, is like you said, in anything, if you do it repetitively, same thing. It's just something different, you know? Right. Um, and that's kind of what I guess got me excited about this whole podcast scenario is, you know, you're not only sitting and helping buyers and sellers, but you're using that platform to network more, getting more people, and hear somebody, you know, rocking their amber. So, um, it is fun. It could be stressful because you're learning something sure. new, a whole process, you know, just like this morning, you know, yesterday or the pre, the last podcast. Um, actually, I don't sometimes remember which one it is because you're recording them all <laughs> together. Right? right. But one of the podcasts, the generator ran out of gas. Oh. We still had like, you know, 40 minutes left. So I had to pack up and go get gas and stuff. Well, so this morning I'm driving and I even thought when I jumped in the car, all right, um, I did get everything. And something was saying, just go double check. I'm like, no, I got it. I got it all. Just run through my head. And that's why Natalie, sometimes she'll be like, think, like stop and think and make sure, you know, but I'm in, I'm so impatient, you know, it's like, right. no, I got to go. I got to go. And, uh, so I drive all the way here from Mount Juliet and, uh, on the interstate on 440. And as I stopped, this dude's like, Hey, you're dragging, you're dragging your cord. Well, I realized I never hooked the lights up. So not only was I driving with that lights on the camper, um, but now I've potentially ruined my cord. Afraid that cord. Now I got to get back, and yeah, I'm just like. Um, so now I'm thinking post trip, pre trip, make sure you got it all, you know, check boxed. You know? Right. Um, anyway, so well, I think the only it's good- something new that I was, you know, <laughs> you know, we named the Rambler the Rambler for one reason is because I like the Rambler. Ram- hey, and then sometimes I get the Rambler, and I'm like, why was I just rambling about that? And now I remember because we we're talking about, you know, trying something new and you're learning new stuff, and it can get like I was frustrated when I found that out, but it's like, all right, I'll fix it. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Anyways, well, well as we're um, in the <laughs> the mobile podcast. Um, trailer I la- we were there's a little bit of a view of my house and sitting in front of my house right now is a branch the size I don't know probably of a, of a medium sized tree that is blocking the entrance to my house and took out my gutters and mm-hmm. potentially ruined my roof and my windows and and the overhang on my house so I get came home from vacation yesterday to a nice little surprise mm-hmm. and um, I was like oh it's not that bad and then pulled up to this morning and I was like this is bad homeowner's insurance thank goodness that's right that's right so um, it's now I gotta figure that out so it's just another so how long have you been doing mu- music um, when did you start what inspired you yeah so I think um, I, mean, I guess you could say when I, when I went to Berkeley School of Music well actually here's kind of a silly story Berkeley School of Music in Boston I don't know if you how familiar you are with it it's like Belmont University okay. here in Nashville right. um, it's a contemporary jazz school um, so it's a little more on the pop side than like a classical music school mm-hmm. while there is classical stuff guys like John Mayer went there Quincy Jones who did all the Michael Jackson stuff um, you know even the big jazz guys like the Kevin Eubanks Bradford Marcellus of the world um, mm-hmm. 
Dixie Chicks, Steven Tyler. There's, it's just a big, it's a very big, right. you know, rock and roll contemporary uh, music school. And when I'd come home from playing hockey, it was the NHL lockout. And I started just honestly messing around playing guitar and singing. And I'd always sung. I'd sung in acapella groups in high school and okay. sung a little bit in college. But playing hockey, there wasn't a whole lot of time. While playing professionally, I had a lot of time. It was no longer classes than hockey. It was just hockey. And here I am getting a paycheck, which was great. So I ended up writing a bunch of songs. And when I got back, my buddies were like, hey, we should just do these open mic nights. And I started playing these open mic nights in Boston. And a couple of guys were like, hey, man, you're pretty good. So my buddy said to me, you should go to Berkeley and you should try to like, you know, you should try to play songs for a living and, and write songs. You write some great stuff. And I was like, sure, sure. He's like, listen, I'll pay for your application. But if you get in, you have to go. And I was like, fine. If I get in, I'll go. And I got in. So I was like, I guess I'm going. And kind of like right. just sort of treated it as a sign. And so that was 2005. Mm-hmm. And now 2017. So I guess I've been in it for about 12 years. Really writing songs, probably 2007 is when I started writing my real, like, songs that I would be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, takes a minute, but nowadays I, I think I look back at those songs from 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and I kind of laugh at them at how terrible they are. Right. I think a lot, a lot of people would feel that way about their first stuff. However, some of my new, my old, old stuff still resonates with, yeah. my, with my, still my current fan base, so... That's cool. And um, and now I kind of hung the artist stuff up. People are always like, when's your next record coming out? I'm like, uh, I'm just writing now. They're like, why? It's like, do you know how hard it is to be a, to be an artist? And being an artist is tough. I don't right. I'm not envy those yeah. those guys or girls. Right. Um, you know, it's cool as you were sitting there talking about how, you know, you were doing this and then you you started, you had a couple people that were encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our, a message last Sunday, <clears throat> the pastor talked about, how words, you know, can be so impactful, you know, negative or positive. Sure. And and I think, I don't know the exact phrase of it he used, but he talked about you are what a lot, I guess a lot of what people say or think of you, right? right. Because somebody tells you, man, you can sing. If nobody ever said that to you, you probably would never pursue never that, right? Um, but the fact that people notice that, so I thought that was kind of cool. It, it brought to life that yeah. aspect. So. And I know it's funny, and I talk to some <clears throat> friends about this stuff, and it's just... I feel like I'm so close to that, you know, big hit, that right. big number one. That I that as I look forward to a new deal or whether you know this real estate stuff or whatever yeah. the heck I might get my world into, um, I'm pretty reluctant to take that, you know, job that takes me away from writing. Right. Because I feel like I've come so far, and the analogy they always always I've always heard a million times is is um well, those two, but one is. You plant the seed, and you just have to trust that it's going to break through that soil right. at some point, and you just have to believe, and someday it does. And if you stop, you know, mm-hmm. it typically is right below the surface, and mm-hmm. it's about to break through, or or that same old, again, same thing you get from you get these analogies from church and stuff. Is just right. You know, you're driving along the highway, driving line Interstate, you know, forty or whatever, and you just you you're at night, and you have your headlights on, and you can only see a hundred feet right. in front of you, and you right. trust that. The highway is just not gonna just all mm-hmm. of a sudden stop, and you're gonna drive off into the cliff like Thelma and Louise, right? right. You just like, you just like, oh no, another hundred feet will. And you know it's so interesting itself. because I've read, you know, this last year I've read a couple books and um, and a lot of a just a lot of in business entrepreneurship it talks about fear, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting you think about that, you know, if you focus on what you can't see, 
and you start being concerned and worried about that, one, you're not focused on what's in the light. Right. But two, you're focused on that, and that can create fear, anxiety, because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. You know? um, and then it's cool, too, some of the, the previous interviews have talked about, you know, some of the people that they're what they're doing is having a heart, you know, I guess whatever it is is in their heart. And so it helps them, you know, keep pursuing that dream. Um, so... And I'm sure, like in your case, because, again, you've done a little bit of this and that. Um, right. And I know until I got in real estate, I was never content. You know, it was always like, man, if I was, if I had been serious in college, you know, um, would I be designing cars? Um, right. I wanted to do that. Um, but, but the cool thing is, too, is, you know, when you finally land, say maybe, maybe you know, you eventually um, make it, as you would call it. Because, obviously, I mean, you're, you've been... Um, professional in the music industry, so you're making a living, right? right. Um, and uh, but when you when you finally um, make it, and uh, we're gonna move on because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I, we were talking about the uh, the trust and fear and yeah, yeah, yeah. That. So um, I don't know, man. That's, good. that's the thing about rambling, right? You just sometimes ramble and you run out of words to say. Yeah. So maybe Led Zeppelin's uh, "Ramble On" should be your uh, yeah, yeah, your so, intro song. Um. All right. So yeah. There you go. And I'd say I probably won't even edit that out because that's kind of part of the podcast that I like. The, the yeah. transparency and the craziness of it. Um, we, can get, we can get crazy. I have, yeah. I so got plenty of stories. You've for been you. here three years. Three years. Yeah. And what, uh, so obviously, was it music that brought you here? Yeah, music brought me here. Um, my, um, my former roommate, as since I bought this house, he doesn't lo- no longer lives with me. There's a guy named Brett Young. Brett's got a couple singles on the radio. Uh, his recent one just went, um, actually went platinum, which is pretty great with a number one called In Case You Didn't Know. Uh-huh. And then he has another single called Sleep Without You um, on the country charts that charted, that also went number one. So Brett and I were buddies for about, you know, seven, eight years now. And we went on tour together out and did a West Coast swing, which is really sort of how we met. We went on tour together and played as both as artists. And he was a baseball player. I was a hockey player. So we kind of made that jump to music and we just, we just got along really, really quickly. We would be roomed together. We were kind of, we kind of were just, you know, two peas in a pot. Right. So he decided to make the move to country. And um, he's like, I'm moving to Nashville. And he said, you should think about it. And about nine months after he moved here, I moved. And we lived together for like two and a half years. Yeah. So it was, um, it was been pretty, it's been a pretty fun ride mm-hmm. with him now that he's had the success and, you right. know, being one of your, my good buddies. So it's nice to, um, see that it actually happens to to get yeah. to get people right, right. and um, and from there yeah I guess the, you know this sort of publishing deal sort of um, unveiled itself as well I, I was with I was unsigned and writing every day and mm-hmm. built up my catalog to a place where people were excited about the songs I was writing and, and what's some uh, what's some cool venues or places you've played at? I know you've recorded. Sounded like you've recorded some pretty cool people. But, yeah. Um, well, you sung. So Jason Mraz, is that right? You said that. Did you sing on tour with him, or no, did you record I didn't. in the studio? I recorded in the studio. Okay. Yeah, the same guys who produced his his "Waiting for a Rocket to Come" record, which okay. was this big one with. Uh, I guess not really. His, well, he has a couple <coughs> big ones, but mm-hmm. had the um, the remedy, the Cribside Prophet. Those couple singles that came okay. off that record, and. Um, so that was yeah, that was years ago, but um, I played some really cool venues. I mean, I got to 
I actually went on tour years ago with this band called the Click Five, which was like this um, teen pop band. But they were, and we'd play, you know, we played three or four thousand, you know, person venues a night, uh, uh-huh. and got to just, you know, kick around. And we got to play like some festivals. I played a hot air balloon festival once up in Maine. You know, they set up all these hot hot air balloons, which was actually pretty. Was one of yeah, the cool, coolest bet. things, you know, for right. like ten thousand people. So you have. Um, and I played some. I played some places with Brett, you know, mm-hmm. that are with f- for five people mm-hmm. who are eating dinner who don't even care. So um, you definitely have that um, both sides of the coin. And I got to be, you know, in some weddings. I got to sing my mother and my brother's first dance, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty cool. That's cool. And um, actually, sang, sang uh, "Rascal Flats" my wish, which was pretty cool. Um, for my mom and my dad, and, yeah, mom and my brother, and um, I guess I wasn't born when my mom and dad got married. Okay. Um, <laughs> and um, well, you could have been. Could have right? been. I could right? have been. Yeah. Yeah, except yeah. I'm the baby. Okay. So, um, and I'm not sure how good of a singer I would have been. So you got brothers, sisters, older brother. Okay. Yep. Older brother. Of- I, had, I I had the thought. I finished my Rambler. It was yeah. about the heart. It was about the fear, and it was just about you know sometimes when you do have a passion about whatever you're doing so say music if it's your passion now mm-hmm. and it's pushing through that fear you know to keep moving forward to to what you have the passion for um so that was kind of what i think that's where i was going with that of just that you know knowing that passion that you have it will help you get through that fear. right so and i'll tell you what this is this has been a scary few weeks like yeah. just knowing that we're not going to re-up with the publishing deal and having a house that's under construction that is isn't done yet and so right. like i went to the i went to the town city hall and i got a, an airbnb permit okay just yeah. just so yeah. when i'm out of town um or i'll just stay with some, stay with some mm-hmm. friends um and say hey if i can make a few extra bucks just right you know right. someone can stay in my house even if i'm in town i'll just stay with i'll probably could stay at brett's yeah, because he's never even. He's never Which even is there. cool. I mean, that's yeah. you know, kind of can be the life of a musician, right? Right. You know, and that's what I I liked about this little intro. It talked about emerging artists and something, and I was like, I wanted it to be, hey, maybe there's somebody that has a name, maybe it's somebody that's making it, somebody's in between, you know. So I wanted right. to keep it pretty open to what kind of artists are in here. Um, yeah, and it used to so be. I, I like you know hearing that side of it, you know, because it's kind of part of it. it's not all all like oh man i got you know grammys and whatever you know right. it's like hey i'm in transition you know and it takes a minute i think you people always talk about overnight successes and you know and that yeah. just that just doesn't right. happen in this business you know the last uh, interview i'd sat down with uh, julie keltonic and she's a uh, songwriter um and she was talking about that like really just like the advice of you know don't always compare yourself because you know you don't know what it took for that person to get there you right. know um, I mean, I don't know Brett's total history, but you're like, man, dude's got number ones. Hey, I want to be that too, you know. Right. But you know, there could be more behind the scenes that you might not know about that got him there, you know, sure. or that one person, that one connection, like we had talked about. Exactly, know? and a lot of times it is that one person who just believes in you and mm-hmm. and gives you that shot. And you know, and he's done really well, and 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 he's made all these breaks for himself, so he deserves it. Um, but it's a tough racket. I think I think any artist out there will be. We'll tell yeah. you that, you know, living on the road and being gone mostly Wednesday to Sundays and having been mm-hmm. home for two days and those two days you're jam packed with you know right. with stuff here in town and and trying to be creative while still being on the road and 
is is really hard and yeah and so i think uh life you know the life of a touring musician is is, is extremely difficult yeah um i don't i think looking at it now I, I it's not something i really i don't really want yeah um but um it's I, something that you really don't like meaning you enjoy it no, I'm okay. sorry. I, I think I feel like I, I would I would enjoy it for a year. Okay, I'd enjoy playing the, the the venues and the stadiums and the stuff. I mean, I think I probably would enjoy the money and the longevity behind it. Right, but um, but it's also there is a price. You know, there's a price for everything. Yeah. You you look at Karen Dewitt and Keith Urban and those guys, and they you know they, they don't live that normal life. They don't they can't go to Bar Taco, you know, and oh, right, and just right. have a you know by although Nashville is pretty cool to Nashville's let people cool. be kind of you know. Uh, from what I hear, anyways. Yeah, no, they are. They totally are. It's just one of those things. It's tough, you know? It's yeah. like, you just never, you're just, it's never the same. So, what, on kind of that note, doing some other stuff, being in the music industry, what yeah. kind of words of wisdom advice would you leave with, uh, you know, inspiring artists? You know, I, I always tell people um, to control the controllables. And I think um, it was one of the things we did, we said a lot in hockey was you're not going to control the puck, puck bounces but you can you can control you know the the way you prepare for things and um and just sort of that like if you're going to if you want to be a writer write songs mm-hmm. if you want to be a singer s- sing mm-hmm. but you have to sing your little butt off you have to you know just like being a pitcher in the major leagues those guys put the work in you don't just wake up and sing every day you warm up and you do vocal practices and you got to give yourself an hour or two a day just like you would work out your arms, you'd work out. You're gonna work out your vocal cords, and if you want to write, you gotta flex that muscle in your brain mm-hmm. to writing. Um, know your strengths. If you're a melody guy or a lyricist, or a, right. Or for me, my my, uh, you know, I write a lot of pop songs, pop stuff. Being in okay. L- being in L.A., so I love melody. I love the way music feels. Um, lyrics, I could kind of take them or leave them. Leave them, at least for me. So if I want to write that heavy country song. I'll I'll work with a lyricist, a guy like Arliss, who mm-hmm. is how we actually is how we met. Um, Ar- Arliss loves his lyrics, mm-hmm. and he's all about the storytelling. He's right? about the storytelling, yeah. and I'm not. So we work great together because yeah. I can turn that song into something that he can't without me, and vice versa. Yeah, that was the one thing Julie had noted that know who the people you're writing with. So don't write with someone that has your strength. Or right. not always, yeah. you know, because that way you complement each other and exactly. you can work together and you're not kind of competing mm-hmm. against, you know. And I'm an editor, really, is like, I'll be like, oh, that lyric doesn't really work there. It doesn't, that thing doesn't, that doesn't sing great. Right. Right? A lot of the times it's a great lyric, but the way it's sung is a tough way to be, mm-hmm. you know, tough to translate. And all those sort of, all those little pieces sort of need to come together. And people, when they hear these magical songs, it's, it's no surprise that those songs are delicately... You know, right, right. Cared for, and it's sometimes those delicate <laughs> delicateness or that stuff comes off, and and you write in thirty minutes. Like right, it doesn't right. necessarily mean you spend hours and hours mm-hmm. fixing it, but um, it. Uh, so yeah, control the controllables. Um, I you're gonna probably hate me for saying this, but growing up in Boston, I'm a big you know Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, but Patriots fan, mm-hmm. and um, and just watching the way those guys always prepare, you know. My boy Tom Brady, the way those guys always just, they're just, they're, they're just, they're always giving 100% and they don't really worry about what anyone else is doing. They just worry about what they're doing. And I think that's, you know, record, right. la- record labels, execs, A&R people, they may not love your stuff, but they're just one person right. and, and they're just one opinion. Yep. 
and yep. doesn't mean that it's you know <clears throat> agreed it's kind of like goes back to if you got the heart and the passion for it keep pursuing it you right. know and uh you know, you'll have some bumps in the roads, yeah. but keep pushing through. Exactly. You know, I also feel like it's out. a good thing to cover your bases too. Like, yeah. you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, having gone to school and having a degree, it's nice and all. It doesn't get you anywhere further in music, right? But on the flip side, like, for me, just writing songs doesn't fulfill my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like being an entrepreneur and I like right. being, doing things outside of music. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, which is always cool because I even thought about that in real estate, you know, um, stepping out on my own because I'm, I'm independent, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I'm with Benchmark Realty, but we're very independent agents, sure. which is awesome because you can, you know, you obviously got to make sure all the marketing stuff lines up with, you know, people got to know you're with Benchmark. Um, but you just have so much freedom to do what you want to do, you know. You can invest back into your business versus investing into another broker, right. you know, that that likes to keep money um <laughs> and so um you know i like that 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 freedom but i always i always think i'm like <clears throat> sometimes if if business is slow it's like you know or people talk about the economy or whatever i don't pay attention to the news and stuff because that doesn't that doesn't help me right you know? um and but i always think i'm like man i got a degree i got experience in transportation this and that like i always have something i can fall back on right you know um i don't think i'll ever have to do that but it is it's kind of nice having that reassurance you yeah. know so if there is some fear there you can always pull back and go you know man i got a good work ethic i can do anything you right. know i mean i already have this camper i could sell this you could go fix up homes right right I and mean, you're learning as you do your house so um switching gears um yeah. you just bought a house yes um, and it was great neighborhood um Love and it. uh obviously needed some work um with people thinking you're crazy what advice would you tell people who are looking for i mean i don't i i don't know your comps exactly but sure i would say you found somewhat of a deal based on the fact that you could put your sweat equity into it yes and walk away with you know more money versus paying somebody to do all that work and right. then buying it you know mm-hmm. um, any advice to tell uh, buyers or sellers in this Nashville market yeah I think um, I mean you probably would say the same thing but a lot of the stuff I feel like Nashville market for me was the two types of homes I looked at were the homes that needed a ton of TLC and the homes that are these brand new ones that are mm. that are flying up all around town to me would it be nice to live in a brand new home? Yes, I think they're great, but I also don't think they're built the way that they, you know, say they are. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I look at a home, that's my home is ninety years old and it's still up there, and the foundation was good. And Your home's how old? Ninety years yeah, old. Yeah, I thought you said nine. I'm like, oh, huh? sorry. yeah, ninety. 90. Yes. Sorry, ninety years old. And sure, my f- floors are a little sloped, and sure, there's a lot of things I need. <laughs> it's need character, some right? Yeah, I it's mean, the character. You know, as long as you you got that. As long as you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just settling. Exactly. Know? And it's been settling, right, for quite a bit. But it, I think at the, for me, my advice is um, know what type of person you are. Know if you want the old house that you want to fix up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think of my my house, and regardless of the big tree wasn't in the, my front yard right now, um, I think people walk by and are like, oh, this place is an eyesore. And it is. It's an eyesore beyond eyesores. Um, inside, it's not an eyesore. And... Um, and it took me about nine months to sort of get it that way. So, um, yeah, I think my two cents is find, find it. I mean, I've always been find a place you love, find a location you love. Right. You know, riding on Music Row and being in my location, it's three minutes for me to get to work. 
Right. So you don't have to hit the interstate. Uh, the you interstate, stay down the right? Eighth, right? And that peace of mind for me every day is worth, you know, is worth it. And not having to put gas in my car. Have you hit up Flip? Yeah. They got like, some pretty cool stuff. Got some cool stuff in there. Yeah. My actually goal in my house too is to be for it to be uh, sort of self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to put. I mean, again, and my parents would and girlfriend would probably like want to hit me over the head right now. But like, you know, Elon Musk's new solar roof. Have you seen those? Um, yes. So yeah, right. Yeah. So that, actually, apparently, they're not supposed to be the same more price. expensive than yeah. Right. So depending yeah. on how much sun you get, right, right, that kind of stuff. So I'm like, some point, I want to put a couple power cells in my house and put a solar roof on it and be able to be sort of off the grid without having to pay in a garden, right? Yeah, so you in a be, garden. You don't have to shop or anything. Exactly. You just sit in there and write music all the time. Even <laughs> no, I would love I would love a garden. My folks have a garden at yeah. the house. Even nice if it's backyard. Even too. if it's a little herb garden and yeah. stuff like that. Which, by the way, if anyone wants to come do some landscaping, come on over I yeah I actually could, I, I interviewed could, uh, could uh, Isaiah 40 and uh, they do yeah landscaping um, and so you do hockey lessons right and I do yeah I do private hockey lessons at the Ford cool. Ice Arena so how do you how do they get in contact with you with that so um, I work also as I work at the rink as um, one of their coaches sort of okay. like their contracted coaches I think there's like a staff of about 25 of us okay and typically through just well, now a lot of it's word of mouth, mm-hmm. and um, I'm down there probably one or two days a week, just doing a couple clinics. Okay. With little little you know the little guys maybe four or five six years old or all the way up to the high school. Okay. Um, so with my sort of my experience, I I think I am one of the few people there who really handles the older guys, the 16, 17, 18 year old guys who need that edge to get over you know to. The, over the threshold of hey can I play college hockey right right, right. And, um, or can I go play junior hockey before I go to college so I've sort of kind of like real estate built up a nice little yeah, yeah. group uh, a nice little following to where I can you That's know, cool. do that and and I you know a couple of weeks even this month I'm going to run I'm going to be the head coach at one of a couple of these clinics okay just to you know be able to give back and so I'll be there for like six hours a day coaching on the ice my feet will kill it's yeah worst. that's fun um, but that's fun that won't be private that won't be one-on-one stuff okay. that'll be with you know right. 50, 30 40 kids on the ice right but that's um with you know the success of the Preds hockey is really growing down here yeah and I like to think that uh I you know I have enough experience and that I can shed some yeah you know, some knowledge down here to a town that that needs it mm-hmm. there's, there's some great great coaches down here and and those guys have gotten me involved in these programs and I'd mm-hmm. like to sort of keep it going yeah so, that's cool yeah nice um, alright well thanks for your time You're and welcome. now let's thanks uh, for having me yeah let's hear you uh, jam on a guitar you wanna do that bit. yep let's do it alright um, alright so we're gonna do uh, we're gonna start with a song it's actually one of the favorite, my most favorite songs I've ever written. Um, it's a song called John Everyman, and I wrote it with my good friend Steve Lester and a girl named Danielle Blakey. And it's honestly, it's probably a year and a half old. And um, it's one of those songs where um, I don't want to give it away, but um, it's about a dad who's trying to just be the best he can be. And, um, and I feel like we, we, were, we were talking about this whole thing. We wanted it to be um, just about your everyday dad who is who does everything he can to be the best 
man for his family. Mm-hmm. And um, this song's been around town for a little bit. Um, we had Blake Shelton looking at it. We had Darius Rucker was probably our biggest, you know, lead on it. I still want Lee Bryce to sing it, um, and he's heard it. But um, I guess I don't really love it as much as we do. So, but anyway, I'm gonna look at some lyrics too, just um, just because I'm uh, I'm a dummy and I forget my own lyrics. So <laughs> you write so many songs. I was about to say I could remember. Right? I remember the name of it. So here we go. This is John Everyman. I'm from working all week for my family at home. Take off Sundays, speak to the Lord. I'm from doing what it takes, mistakes and lessons learned. I was told I could have anything as long as it's earned. I don't stand out in a crowd, I live a simple life. Try to be a hero in my I know that some days are tough, but I do the best that I can. The world may not know who I am. I'm John Everyman. John Everyman. I'm from falling asleep with the weight of the earth in the arms of a woman. Sure don't deserve I'm from look me in the eye Son and tell me The truth Be proud of where you came From the red white and blue I don't stand out In a crowd I live a simple life Try to be A hero in my Kids eyes I know that some days are tough But I do the best that I Enjoyed the music by Eric, and hopefully you gained some uh, great insight into lending on this episode. So remember that we discussed credit 
on episode six and then different loan options on episode seven. So if you want to tune into those and and make sure you're fully um, educated on the lending process and what it takes to have great credit, make sure to tune in to those episodes. Tune in to episode nine and I will be introducing the nonprofit that I will be partnering with for the month of August. So don't forget to check out episode five if you have not heard it and learn about Tennessee Voices for Children. That's the nonprofit I am partnering with for the month of July. And uh, again, I'll be donating some proceeds um, at each closing to the nonprofit. Um, and then also any referrals I get for the month, I'll be uh, making a donation to them as well. A reminder that I am a realtor with Buckwalter Impact Group with Benchmark Realty. I work with buyers and sellers in the Nashville and surrounding areas. If I can be of any service to you, please don't hesitate to give me a call at 615-973-7657. Also, you can check out my website at buckwalterimpactgroup.com. You can set up a search if you're looking for properties or just any other um, educational information is on the website. And if you're in other areas outside of Nashville and looking for a lender or a realtor, reach out to me. I can connect you with some people in your local area as well. Thanks again for tuning in to episode eight. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, As always, I've had an enjoyable time sitting down with musicians. And um, although most of the lending stuff for the month of July, I was aware of, but I did learn some new stuff as well. Um, So if you do have any questions, again, for lending, give Brandon a call. And if you do have a second, feel free to uh, write me a review. And if you haven't subscribed, subscribe, as um, it's going to be something new each month pertaining to real estate and sitting down with different musicians. Thanks and hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Music City Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed our program, please leave us an iTunes rating and review and subscribe for more music and valuable insights each week into Nashville's real estate landscape. Send your comments, questions, and ideas to podcast at buckwalterimpactgroup.com. And remember, don't give up until you find the property that's right for you. See you next time.